Okay, we've been <coughs> studying animals out of the Bible, picking out various different ones and seeing how they're used to teach things and teach lessons. And it's been interesting. I, of course, grew up on a national wildlife refuge. My father was a biological technician. He knew more about bugs and plants than anybody, especially birds, than anybody I ever met. And so I got a good dose of it growing up. So it all kind of tracks me when we talk about animals and critters. And uh, uh, we're going to talk about one today that you've probably never seen. And that's good. Be happy you've never seen them because they're locusts. I've seen locusts. I mean, around here, we don't have locusts, but when you go out west, there are locusts. And uh, <clears throat> here, they, they uh, can't thrive like they do there. Of course, they're known for these huge groups. So we start with Proverbs chapter 30. A couple of different scriptures that we'll look at that mention locusts. In Proverbs 30... is one that we have touched this before because we talked about ants. Our first study was about ants, and we talked about ants. Now we've gone to a little bit bigger bug. But Proverbs 30, uh, in verse number 24, is where it starts. There be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. Ants are people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. We've talked about that one. Conies are a feeble folk. They make their houses in the rocks. We'll talk about that some other time. And locusts have no king, yet they go they forth, all of them, by bands. They go in huge groups. And when they're traveling, there's not one big locust saying, come on, follow me, guys. Uh, they all travel together in one huge group. And there's times over in Africa where they say that the, the locusts are so thick it blackens out the sun. It's like a huge cloud of locusts. And you say you haven't heard them for years. Well, now they're coming back in Africa. We've heard some things about locusts returning to Africa. Apparently they disappear for a seven-year cycle and then come back and uh, they think they had them licked, but they don't. They're back. And that's an interesting comment. But the point here that he makes is without someone in charge, they all go in one direction. They go forth all of them by bands. If you want to see that uh, phenomenon in nature here, you watch the blackbirds. Ever seen the blackbirds move at this time of year? And they'll all move together and they go swooping up and they all go swooping down. And I always watch it in amazement when they do that. And the whole group goes in one direction, then turns around, goes in the other direction, then goes up, and then goes down, and they go round and round and round and round, and they all land in a tree somewhere. And I say, how do they do that? Try that with people. <laughs> See if you can make people all go in one direction. They, they, they just don't do it. All right, But these birds, 
and the locusts do the same thing. They, they, they just seem to have a sense. Now, how does it happen? Well, I think practice makes perfect. That's one thing. They are used to functioning as a single unit. And so they have a united reaction. How they can go in one direction like the birds do and then just turn and they all, you'd say, well, one of them will miss it. None of them miss it. They all go all together. And that type of cooperation is pretty wonderful. I think it requires an attitude among them that nobody is in charge. That's kind of a good attitude. Nobody is in charge. They're all working together. We all go. He says the locusts don't have a king. There's no one in charge, but they all move as a single unit. And uh, they, we want to get to the place where I think what they do is they anticipate. They anticipate. And we would do well to learn to anticipate the needs when we're working together, when we're doing things together, anticipation of where we're going, knowing what we're doing works us together. That's a pretty remarkable thing. And when you see the blackbirds, you watch them. This time of year, they're, they're getting all together, getting ready to fly south. And boy, it's an amazing thing to see a whole group of them totally anticipating every move that comes. And so that's a special gift that God gave these creatures that he didn't give us. <laughs> and so it's something that I think that we do well to follow, is learn to function together so often and so much that we are training to do that getting used to doing that and anticipating what comes next, anticipating the needs of where we're going. Particularly in a time like this where who knows where we're going. We don't know what's going on. And so we stick very close together and anticipate from day to day what we can do and try to do it. All right, now let's go over to the book of Joel. In the Old Testament, in the Minor Prophets, uh, after the book of Daniel, it is Hosea, and then the book of Joel, and then Amos. We want to go to the book of Joel. And here uh, we talk about locusts a little more. And this is a message for God's people. So Joel chapter 1, right in the beginning of it. The word of the Lord came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Hear this, ye old men. Give ear, ye inhabitants of the land. Listen, God's people. This has been your days or even in the days of your father. Have you seen this? Tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children and their children another generation. We want to make sure we spread this information out so that everybody hears what it's about. That which the palmer worm had left, the locust has eaten. 
that which the locust has left has the cankerworm eaten, that which the cankerworm hath left the caterpillar hath eaten. And so there's a palmer worm first on your uh, plants, and then the locust came. And they ate everything they could find. And there was a canker worm in case they missed something. And then when things started to bud again, the cal- caterpillar came and ate that. So there's total destitution. He says, through the work of these locusts, we're now where there's nothing left. Nothing left. Absolutely nothing left behind. So here's what you do, verse 5. Awake, ye drunkards, and weep. Howl, ye drinkers of wine, because the new wine is cut off from your mouth. All right, you are now spiritually destitute. You are spiritually destitute. There's nothing left. You have lost it all. Spiritually destitute. And that's a place that we might come to in our life when we abandon God. And that's what these people did. They abandoned God and they got to the point where there was literally nothing. In the land of Israel, the cities were smashed. The houses were gone. Everything was gone. There was nothing left. And uh, uh, the walls of Jerusalem, the temples were smashed. It was gone. It did like it never existed. And he said, you can reach that point if you go too far away from God. And God says, I can leave it so you're spiritually destitute, so there's nothing left. So what are we going to do? Well, we got to change that and turn it around. So chapter 2 in Joel is what he's telling us. Here's what you need to do to turn it around. And he mentions locusts again. You start in verse 25. I, I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. Cankerworm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent against you. You shall eat in plenty, be satisfied. Praise the name of the Lord your God that has dealt wondrously with you. My people shall never be ashamed. Right, so he says we can turn around this spiritual destitution and restore we can restore spirituality in particular he mentions this we can restore the years how many of you would like to get a few years restored <laughs> like, can we get a few back alright I always say not if I gotta be dumb again if I gotta be dumb I'll stay where I am okay we should be getting smarter as we go along and learning through life. And if we got to go back and be dumb. But there's a few days when I think, man, what I wouldn't do for five years or whatever. It's nice to think that somebody could restore years. Because in our lives, I think we all have wasted years. We've got years that were wasted. And we should have been doing something for the Lord. And we were fooling around doing something for ourselves. And we were left spiritually 
destitute like the locusts who ate everything in sight. He said, you were left without anything. Now he says, if you call on God, he says, I can reverse that and I can restore years. And here's how he says, verse 28, come to pass afterwards, I'll pour my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Also on the servants and the handmaidens in those days I will pour out my spirit. I will show wonders in the heavens and the earth of blood, fire, and pillars of smoke. Sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the great terrible day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For Mount Zion and Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, and the remnant whom the Lord shall call. So how does he go about restoring the years? He said, well, here's how we do it. Uh, if you can get people to call on God, he hears and he delivers them. And he says, that's what's going to happen when the Spirit comes. That's how I'm going to restore the years to you is I'm going to get people to respond. I'm going to pour my Spirit out on all flesh. The Bible says the Spirit is poured out on all flesh. Is what he says here. I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. That means who? Everybody. Every living human being has his Spirit poured out on them. You say, well, they're not listening. No. You're not, all right? But it exists. The Spirit of God is out there calling people. That's the only way that we have to continue. We've got to recognize that people outside of these walls, the Spirit's working on them. And when I think of how busy God is, I wonder how, I wonder how he can do it. How he can do it. And then somebody will come in, from who knows where, and I can't count you the number of times that that's happened here. And I, someone comes into church and I say to him, I never thought you'd be here. <laughs> never thought you'd come, and there they are. Bill Barton was one of them. I never thought he'd come, and there he was sitting in this pew here. And uh, when I baptized him, he reminded me the other day, when I came out of the water, you said to me, I never thought I'd get you here. And that's true. I never thought we would. But God's spirit is poured out all on all flesh. And so what's happening, he says, you may find yourself in a place of spiritual destitution, but I'm going to turn it around and actually restore years. All right, There's people out there who you knew a long time ago. And I can catch you up, restore to you those years that you had where you wasted. And we can help you so that we can reach back into your life and bring people up to date. So that's a pretty wonderful comment that God makes here. He says, when you fooled around and you become spiritually destitute, uh, now you come to life again. You get yourself right with God. And I'm going to stretch you out and reach out and start bringing people in. And it's been amazing. And I always think that uh, when, when I started this church, I was 33 years old. And uh, that seems like a long time ago now. <laughs> 
I was 33 years old when I started this church. And this guy came in to one of our first services. And I think he was a pastor. I don't remember where. It doesn't matter. But he hung around after the service and, and was the last one here. And he was talking to me in the back. He says, so what made you do this? I said, well, I got to be 33. And he says, oh, that's a big deal, 33. I said, well, it is because at 33, Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. He was right on time. I'm just starting at 33. And I should have been started before. So I wasted up till 33. All right. And God helped to restore those years by bringing people in. So it was an important age for me because Jesus Christ saved the whole world when he was 33. I'm just beginning at 33. So God was able to restore years by reaching out and touching a whole host of people. It started with the local kids. It started with children here. We were here working. These kids would ride their bike up and peek in the door. I'd, most of them, they'd come in. We'd talk a little bit. And next day, some other kid would be peeking in the door. I got to know some of the kids. And so I decided one day, I said, Hey, go tell your friends we're going to play baseball on Friday night. Come on down. I got here and there were 30 kids here. I don't know. I never, I expected 10. <laughs> there was 30 kids here and they tore this place apart. They were a wild bunch of Indians. But that was the beginning of reaching out as God began to reach out. And they were children of people that I had known, some of them. Children of people that I had known that I should have reached before. And now I got to reach their children. So it was uh, God restoring what the locust ate. So that's a wonderful comment about locusts. Not that uh, they did anything good, but they God restored what was lost. And so that's a good promise, good thing about Locust. Now, we go to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. This is a psalm that's written about uh, the children of Israel and what happened to them when they left Egypt and so forth. And in verse 43, it begins here, how he wrought his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the field of Zoan, turned their rivers into blood and their floods that they could not drink, sent divers sorts of flies among them, devoured them in frogs which destroyed them. He gave also their increase to the caterpillar and their labor to the locusts. He destroyed their vines with hail and sycamore trees with frost. And he's talking about the land of Egypt, what happened in the plagues of Egypt. 
And you remember that some, uh, everybody had fleas and flies all over them. That was kind of disgusting. And, uh, and the frogs were all jumping through their houses. And they said, even you look on your kitchen table, there was a frog there. So they threw all the frogs in a pile and the whole place stunk. And then came the locust. And the locust came flying in. And it tells us Exodus chapter 10 what happened here. Exodus chapter 10 is the story of the locust invasion of Egypt. Exodus chapter 10 and verse 13. Moses stretched forth his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind on the land all that day and all that night, and when it was morning, the east wind brought the locust. The locusts went up over all the land of Egypt and rested in all the coast of Egypt. Very grievous were they. Before them there was no such locust as they, neither after them shall be such. So it was the worst infestation of locusts ever in history. They covered the face of the whole earth so the land was darkened. They did eat every herb of the land, all the fruit of the trees which the hail had left. There remained not any green thing in the trees and the herbs of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. I pray forgive me my sin this once. Entreat the Lord your God. He may take away this death. So locusts came he said, in huge amounts, bigger than ever before, blocked out the sun. And when they finished and left, there wasn't one green thing left in the land of Egypt. Now, Egypt was a pretty prosperous farming place because they were by the Nile River and they grew all kinds of things, uh, everything from melons, which you know are harder to grow, through, to uh, 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 garlic leeks, those kind of things. They were famous for huge gardens and all sorts of things to eat. And when locusts were done, there's nothing left. And so he says Egypt was punished by God with the locusts. And so it's total loss. In Psalm 105, the same thing is mentioned. Psalm 105 Verse 34. It's the same story, only this time it's written as a prayer of thanksgiving. Psalm 105. Verse 38. Egypt was glad when they departed for the Fear of them fell upon them. In 34, he spake, and the locusts came, the caterpillars, and that without number, did eat all the herbs of the land and devoured the fruit of the ground. Talking about the same invasion. And he says, when Israel left, 38, Egypt was glad when they left, for the fear of them fell on them. Uh, They were glad to see these Israelites go. Now here... In the Bible, the locusts are a curse. In particular, they are a curse on people who were against who were against God's people. So this is a curse from God. Why? Because 
They were oppressing God's people. God said, I'm not going to let you do that forever. You can't treat God's children that way forever. I'm not going to allow it. And so the locusts became part of the plague. There were other things until their children died. All right, but they were determined uh, to hang on to them, mistreat them, take away the straw so they couldn't make bricks with straw, did everything in their power to mistreat them and refuse them uh, freedom. And they even asked just three days, let us go for three days. No, no. And so God took care of that. And so God's people are being watched. You're okay. We're going to be okay. God's people are under his watch. And when he says that's enough, and that'll be enough. And God will take care of his people. And so the judgment of God came on those who persecuted the people of God. And that was the work of locusts. Now it came on the Israelites. He said, I'll restore to you if you come back to me, and I can restore years. To the Egyptians, no restoration. You mistreated God's people, and you're going to suffer for it now. And so they lost God's blessing by the work of the locusts. So we have locusts in three ways. They move together, and they anticipate needs. That's something we can learn from and copy. Uh, spiritually destitute that you can have years restored locusts that ate up part of your life you can get it back by serving God and the last thing there's a curse on people who persecute the children of God they're not going to get away with it forever alright isn't that good news isn't that good news we trust God keep his hand on us alright yes Is there locusts in China? Yeah. Well, you know, it's not a surprise because we see reminders, and that's what God has filled the Bible with reminders. These are things that are going to come at the end of time. And uh, he's talking about pestilence, or uh, these things are going to happen towards the end of time. All is a warning to you and I. Get ready. Keep your eyes open. Uh, these are things that are going to happen. And locusts is one of them. Who thought they'd ever, why wouldn't they kill all the locusts in the world? Spray them and kill them. They can't. They can't. Thank you.